0: Once again, so good to see each and every one of you. Uh, I just think it's a great time for us to be mindful and to be grateful for this incredible group of people, this band that leads us in worship. Would you just encourage them a little bit? Tell them thank you. Amen. I appreciate them so much. They uh, give a lot of time and energy and effort into uh, being prepared, and man. Uh, they did a great job this morning as they always do so thank you band so very very much hope you've had a great 4th this past week celebrating the birth of our great nation and want to make you mindful of something that's coming up this afternoon 2 p.m., very special time that we've set aside to ordain one of our pastors. Uh, We're going to be ordaining Josh Turner this afternoon, and we are very excited about that. What a great man of God that he is. And so come today at 2 o'clock, we're going to worship Jesus, and we're going to be an encouragement to him. And he is such a blessing to our church. And so we want you to join in this afternoon, 2 o'clock, be a great time together uh, in this room. I want to encourage all of us this morning to do what we've been talking about for about the last six weeks. This idea, this, this truth, this mission that God has put us on, and that we will follow, that we will do this together as his disciples, as his people. And I just want to say this. This is what Jesus has called us to do. Don't miss it. This is what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to come and follow him. Church, this is our calling. Church, this is our mission. We have been called to follow him. So again, I want to encourage you a little bit this morning. I'm going to give you some names of cities, okay, of cities. And when you hear the names of these cities, I want you to tell me what comes to mind, all right? I'm confident that at least on one or two or maybe three of this list, you're gonna know what we're going for here, and everybody's gonna know at least one of them, okay? So we'll get this rolling, I'll give you a list of cities, all right? First one Talladega, Alabama. Turn left, right? NASCAR, points, miles per hour, horsepower. NASCAR. All right. Waco, Texas. In one word, shiplap. <laughs> Silos, magnolia, all that stuff. Chip and Joanna. Some of you uh, have read their book. Uh, I haven't, but I've heard it's good. So there you go. Uh, how about this one? Bristol, Connecticut. Da da da. Da-na-na. Now, the rednecks in the room said, NASCAR one more time, right? <laughs> but in case you didn't know, that's where ESPN is, uh, is based, and that's where the hub comes from. All those sports that uh, flow out, all the sports uh, news that flows out of there. does it? Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Somebody said NASCAR again. <laughs> issues, bro, Issues. Orlando, Florida. Somebody already said the real answer here, you know. It's a small world after all. Now that's stuck in your head for the rest of the day, right? Disney, Mickey, man, Orlando, whoo. Um, how about this one? Tatooine. Some of you in the room really appreciate that right now. Some of you are like, what? Let me give you a hint. Luke. I am your father, all right? Star Wars, this is a hub of where Luke and Anakin uh, were influenced greatly on that uh, planet, all right? If you need more help, you can look it up on Wikipedia, all right? That's real, all right? Um, Somebody thinks I just made that up. No, I didn't make that up. That's real. All right, how about this one? Augusta, Georgia. Green jacket, the masters, a tradition unlike any other. All right? Fayetteville, Arkansas? Oh, no. I'm not going to utter the two words, woo pig, because you'll finish it, right? All right? Right. That's, that's where, uh, you know, a team called the Razorbacks play. And um, how many of you are already, like, listening, like, to hog radio every single day about football coming up? Are you already, like, tuning in, talking about what will happen, you know? How, oh, yeah, some of you. Some of you are like. We'll wait till halfway to the season whether I want to do that or not, right? Uh, Cooperstown, PA. Yeah, RBIs, home runs, strikeouts, Baseball Hall of Fame, America's pastime. How about this one? Canton, Ohio. Ah, yeah, there we go, NFL Hall of Fame. We're talking about sacks and we're talking about touchdowns. And receiving yards, all about grit and determination. And yes, yes, I have heard there is a place called Canton in Texas. Right? Is that correct? I don't know. I've never been there. I hear they sell fleas or something. I don't know. (laughs) So I'll be honest, that's where the list is going to end. Ladies, I know that list had more to do with probably guy stuff than lady stuff. But I took a poll among ladies and like all I got was Waco. That's all I got. So I don't know, the mall? What do you want? I don't, I, don't, I don't know, like if you can give me another place, that would be really, really helpful. Here's the point of me sharing all those names of those cities, and we could keep the list going of places that you're interested in and that and cause things to trigger for you. Here's the reason why we give those. They represent so much more than just a place, right? When you hear that place that's connected to that event or that thing that you're into, your mind kind of lights up. And you start thinking about details, and you start thinking about stats, and you start thinking about trends, and you start thinking about all of this information that you have just gorged yourself on because you can't get enough of it, right? You're into it, and you're into it big time. Why? Because you love it. Why? Because you're passionate about it. You just can't get enough of it, so we study it. I mean, seriously, there are some things that we just have immersed ourselves into. Cade and I, we went to um, the Travelers ball game not long ago, and uh, it was a pretty uh, kind of misty, rainy evening, and, and we had really good seats behind home plate, and the guy about three or four rows ahead of us, even in the misty rain, kind of had his piece of plastic pulled up over his laptop. He had his laptop on his lap, right, while the game was going on, and Cade said, what th- what's that guy doing? I said, he's keeping a stat on every single thing that's happening during the game. And he was like, whoa. Right. He was into it, right? And some of you are into things big time. You study it. You apply yourself to it. You find yourself imitating it. It's become a way of life for you. Now here's the encouragement in all of that. That shows me and that shows you that we have what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. Because what many of us are doing with these things, and it's not necessarily bad, I'm I'm saying it's all fine and it's all well it's all good, is we are applying ourselves to something that we are passionate about. We are turning on our eyes and our brains and our bodies and everything else that we can put into being a part of what we are passionate about. And guess what? That's what Jesus is calling me to, and that's what Jesus is calling you to when he calls you to be his disciple, when he calls you to be his follower, to study him, to apply what he teaches, and to follow him. Speaking of studying, speaking of applying, speaking of something becoming a way of life, check out John chapter 8, verse number 31 and verse number 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And if you need a Bible, there'll be one uh, somewhere near you in the seat in front of you underneath there. Go ahead and grab that. That'll be on page 890. And you can check out John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. And I'll give you a moment to pull that up. Because what we're about to do right now is we're about to study and hopefully apply and hopefully immerse ourselves into the teachings of Jesus. You're capable of doing this. It's how God wired you up. He wired you up with the capability of following him. Okay? John chapter 8, verse number 31. Uh, I want to say this as well before we read that passage of scripture. Everything that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, and if you missed a week or two, jump online, get on the app and listen, not because everything that we taught was just, "woohoo, so good, Kyle taught it, that's not the point, that's not the encouragement that I'm giving you. But all these truths are fundamental in our following of Jesus. And last week we began to talk heavily about how we've got to get into the Word of God if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. And so really what I want to do is just take last week and go a little bit further with it. Encourage you a little bit more to understand how important it is for you and I to be a follower of Jesus. To get into the word of God. So John chapter 8 verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So Jesus is talking to people that are believers. They said you know what we, we think you are who you say you are you're different than everybody else you're not just some stereotypical religious leader you're not just another guy we believe that you're the son of god we believe that you're the savior we believe that you're the one that has come to rescue us we're trusting you we're believing in you we're depending upon you and so he's speaking to that group of people and so jesus is speaking to us this morning and he says To the people who believed in him, he says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, we're going to talk about this even more next week. But I want you to understand, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you will find that when Jesus calls you to believe in him, he also calls you to follow him. And I think a lot of times we try to separate it. And we try to say, well, I believed in Jesus on this date 20 years ago, and I don't know, I'm still thinking about whether I'm going to follow him or not. I want you to understand, when Jesus calls you to believe in him, he's calling you to believe in him to the point that you're willing to follow him. If you're not believing him to the point that you will follow him, I don't know that you're believing in him with your whole heart. May that challenge you however it needs to. Jesus says, I want you to come follow me. You want to believe in me? Great. Come follow me. Come follow me. In fact, as you open the scriptures and you read, there are a lot of people that said, yeah, we believe in you. And when Jesus made it clear to them, okay, now follow me, you'll, you'll read scripture where actually a lot of those people decided, you know what? I think I'm going to go back home now. And here he's teaching to those who believe in him, if you're really going to be my disciples, if you're truly going to be my disciple. My follower, if it's going to be real for you, now, let me pause here for just a moment and say something that I've tried to say all throughout this because I don't want us to miss it. If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's not because you're better than your neighbor. If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's because you have chosen to place your faith, your belief, your trust in Jesus. And in Jesus alone, to the point that he has changed you and is changing you. So if you're like, hey, I, this whole disciple thing, who are you talking to right now? I'm talking to people that have placed their faith in Jesus to the point that he has changed you and he is changing you. So the point is, this is actually an invitation to anyone and everyone. So if you're like, I'm not a disciple of Jesus, I don't even know if I'm a believer or not. Understand the Jesus that we're declaring to you today came here and lived amongst people just like you and just like I am, people who are imperfect, people who betray us, people who sin, people who mess up, people who blow it, and he did it perfectly. I mean, think about that for just a moment. Perfectly. I can't say I've ever had a perfect day, much less say I've ever had a perfect life. And Jesus comes along and he lives a perfect life. And he chooses with his perfect life to lay it down as a sacrifice for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of all of mankind. He suffers on a cross, bleeding there, eventually dying there. They put him in a tomb. He stayed there three days, but on the third day... He got up. On the third day, he rose up from the grave. And those of us who are believers today believe that Jesus lived perfectly. We believe that he died for our sins, and we believe that he came back from the dead, and we believe it to the place that we've given him all of ourselves. He has changed us, and he is changing us. And that's because of how good he is. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus today, it's because of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus today, it's because of Jesus. And Jesus wants to change anyone and everyone that will come to him in faith, willing to allow him to change them. Jesus declares discipleship upon believers. He's like, if you believe in me, this is how we do this. You follow me. Choosing to believe in Jesus is literally choosing to follow him. We continue to show our faith in Jesus by following him, by being faithful to his teachings. Here's here's the sum of what all of Jesus taught. Let me give you some, some things that he did teach and give you the sum of all of it. He spoke words like, I am the bread of life. This is the teaching of Jesus. It comes from John chapter 6. He went on to say, I am the light of the world. John chapter 8. He went on to say, I am not of this world. John chapter 8 once again. He went on in his teachings to say, I am the good shepherd, John chapter 10. He went on in his teachings to say, I am in the Father, once again in John chapter 10. And then in John chapter 11, he declares, I am the resurrection and the life. When you take all of the teachings of Jesus and you put them together, guess what the sum of all of them are? Guess what the focus of all the teachings of Jesus are? Jesus, listen to this, Jesus Himself. Why would Jesus talk about Himself all the time? Because He understood who He was. He understood that He was the Savior. He understood that He was the Son of God. He understood that He was my only hope and your only hope. And so He's constantly pointing you to Himself. You don't need me and I don't need you in the context of a Savior. We need Jesus, He is our Savior. And so he teaches us again and again and again and again about himself. All of the teachings of Jesus point to him. So we've got to get in it. You know how you wake up every morning? I don't know if you do this. I find myself doing this. And depending on what you're into, you wonder what the latest trade was or what the latest trend is. And so you hop on your device or you flip on the television and you find out, right? If you're into politics, you're on whatever news channel, you know. If you're into sports, you're on that. If you're into whatever it is, you, you just got to know. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about getting into the Word of God. Man, I've got to know what Jesus has for me today. What, what's new and what's fresh that God's got for my life today because I've got to have it. I want it. Again, verse 31 It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then verse 12, what great, grand, awesome, wonderful news. He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did you hear what he just declared? Hey, get into me, get into my teachings be faithful to my teachings. Follow me. In that, you're going to experience truth. By the way, truth defined according to Scripture is Jesus himself. And he says, as you experience me, you're going to experience freedom. I'm not going to try to bind you up with rules. I'm going to try to free you from everything that enslaves you today. Free me from what? Free me from sin. I don't know about you, but I've got a problem, and its name is sin. Sin. And Jesus is like, I want to free you from it. He wants to free you from your sin. He wants to free you from your shame. He wants to free you from your guilt. He wants to free you from your addiction. He wants to free you from your enslavement to habits. He wants to free you from your selfishness. He wants to free you from your pride. He wants to free you from your anger. This is the teachings of Jesus. He wants to free you of what enslaves you and binds you up. He wants to invite you into real true living. these teachings of Jesus. It's what Jesus gives us, his followers, his church. So the big idea, you'll find it in your notes, you can fill it in. A disciple is someone who is constantly getting into and obeying the teachings of Jesus. I'll repeat that for you. A disciple is someone who is constantly getting into and obeying the teachings of Jesus. Show me a true disciple of Jesus, and I'll show you someone who is constantly getting into the teachings of Jesus. The only way that you can follow Jesus is to know the way of Jesus, and the only way that you and I can be sure that we know the way of Jesus is to get into the Word, to get into the teachings of Jesus. So if you want to be a disciple, if you want to answer this call that Jesus has placed on your life, we need to do what John chapter 8 verse 31 says. If you are truly my disciples, you remain faithful to my teaching. So I've got to constantly be getting into it and be obeying the teachings of Jesus. Life-giving, freeing, liberating teachings. Okay, I want to get in it. I'm hearing this, and I'm I'm kind of getting this, and and this is what I found, and this has been fun for me, and and I hope it hasn't frustrated you. That hasn't been the intent at all, but I've heard so many of you over the last several weeks, a lot of cool things have been happening. I'd love to share all the things that I've heard from you, but I've heard from, from several people like, Uh, You you, kind of got us here, and I really wanted to go just one step further. What I hope that is is not me frustrating you. I hope what that is is your longing and anticipation and desire for what God has for you. And here's what I'm telling you. If you really want all God's got for you, if you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want his plan for your life, you've got to constantly get into the word of God and obey the teachings of Jesus. It's just what has to happen. Last week gave you some ideas, some some, um, uh, tools, if you will, to simply start getting into the Word of God. And I want to take a few moments this morning and give you a few more just to encourage you to do just that. To get into the Word of God. Why? Because if you're truly a disciple of Jesus, you'll get in it, you'll remain faithful to it, and He will change your life by freeing you. We want you to get into the Word of God regularly. We want you to get into the Word of God passionately. I want the Word of God to be what it is. The Word of God is alive. Everybody say alive. Alive. The Word of God is alive. It's living. It's breathing. It is God speaking to you. It is God speaking to me. And as you open the Word of God, I want you to understand that it's the story of God. It's the story of this grand, wonderful God who loves people. And the hero of the story, his name is Jesus. So I just want you to know that whether you're in the Old Testament, you know, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, some of those books that if you read them, you kind of, your head spins just a little bit. I'll be with you on that. I'll agree with you on that. Like there's just some stuff in there. It's like, whoa. But here's what I want to tell you. If you will begin to understand and grasp that from the beginning of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament over into Revelation, into the end of the book, if you will, every single page is about the hero of the story, and his name is Jesus. You can find him in the beginning of the book, you can find him in the middle of the book, and you can find him in the end of the book. Why? Because Jesus is the beginning and the end. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that has come to rescue us. He came to rescue us. He came to rescue the people before us. He came to rescue the people in the Old Testament. Jesus is the hero of the story. And here's the amazing part. Amen. Celebrate <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Here's the amazing part God is inviting me and is inviting you into the story. Wow. Like, we actually have an opportunity to play a role in the grand. Story of God. When Jesus calls you to believe in Him, when Jesus calls you to follow Him, He's inviting you into the story. He's inviting you into the story. And I can think about so many people in my life that I just see how God used them in the story of God the impact they've had on me and the impact that they've had on others and how they, they got what the Word of God was all about and they got what the call of God was all about and how they've used their lives for the honor and glory of God. And as a result, a lot more people are now in the story of God because of those people understanding their part in the story of God. Do you understand God is inviting Holland Chapel into his story? When we get to heaven and God unveils all of history before us, so many things are going to make sense. So many aha moments are going to happen. But I think it's going to be incredible, incredible when he says, let me tell you about the role that Holland Chapel took in the story, my story. Do You understand there are so many things that we know right now. That if we were to talk and share, hey, God did this through our church and God did that through our church. And yeah, when I was on vacation, God did this and yeah and that. But all the other things that we don't even realize that God has done in his grand story because of the people of God that have come together faithfully following him in this church. just amazing. Don't miss it. God's inviting you into this story. So when we invite you to read scripture, we want you to understand you're reading the story of God. The hero, his name is Jesus, and he's inviting you and he's inviting me into this glorious story. So I want to give you now some practical things that you can um, use to be looking for when you read Scripture. It's not the only way to approach Scripture. There's all kinds of great ways to approach the Scripture. Again, I just want to encourage you. Remember, it's the story of God. The hero's name is Jesus, and he's inviting you into the story. But I want to give you something. If you alliterate it, it, it comes out as specs. You'll see it on your notes, and I want to give you some things that you can use to consider and to look for when you're reading Scripture, okay? First thing we want you to look for, one of the things we want you to look for when you're reading Scripture are sins to confess, okay? That's the first thing on there, sins to confess. Here's what I know. If you're wondering whether what you're doing is right or wrong, read the word of God and God will tell you. He will. You ever have one of those moments like, whoa, I didn't know that was in there. And God makes it just explicitly clear, what I'm doing right now is wrong. And I believe that God is faithful enough to Uh, make the black and white stuff clear, I'm even even convinced that through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, He can make the gray stuff clear too. Like, should I or shouldn't I? Well, I can't really find a, a, a clear commandment on whether I should or shouldn't. I promise you, if you stay in the Word of God, He'll start speaking into so many areas of your life. He'll definitely speak into the ways that are sin. Why does God talk about sin so much? Why? Because sin destroys you. And God loves you. And God knows that if you just keep beating your head up against the wall called sin, you're going to break your skull one of these days. That sounds kind of explicit, but I'm telling you that's what's going to happen. And it's going to destroy you. And so God talks about sin a lot because he cares about you. I mean, when you're bringing up your kids, do you correct them a lot? Sometimes it seems like all the time, doesn't it? Why? Because you want what's best for them. You're like, oh, don't do that. And it's not so much about them breaking your rules as it is about them potentially destroying their lives, right? And you recognize this, so you teach them, and you teach them, and you teach them, and you teach them. Why do you teach them? Because you love them. A loving parent teaches their children. God loves you, so he teaches you over and over again. So be paying attention for sins to confess. And if you have sin, the teachings of Jesus will point them out. What I encourage you to do is to confess them, to repent of them, to turn from them, and turn to Jesus. The second thing that I will encourage you to look for when you're reading Scripture is promises to claim. Promises to claim. Man, God says so many good things that he speaks over us and says this is what's going to happen. He makes promise after promise. But if you're not in the Word of God, you're not aware of those promises. Guess what those promises bring? They bring hope. If you don't get into the Word of God, don't unpack the promises of God, therefore claim the promises of God, you're leaving unopened hope on the table. Some of you right now are desperate for hope. you got relationships that are just... You don't know what's gonna happen. You got job stuff going on. You got financial stuff going on. You got health stuff going on. You got all kinds of stuff going on in your life right now. And what you need right now is something that is settled and something that is firm and something that you can rest upon. You can rest in the promises of God. Open the Word of God. Open the Word of God. Look for His promises and claim them. The next part here uh, is examples. To follow or avoid. Now, why do you always say avoid? Well, examples to follow or avoid. Um, I grew up in church, and I'm very grateful that my mom and dad loved Jesus. I'm very grateful that they led me to Jesus. I'm very grateful they they took me to church. I'm very, very grateful. Um, and as I think back to my younger days and growing up in uh, teachings of Jesus and stories of the Bible and learning about them and and all those uh, little cutouts called flannel graphs on the little wall there. Um, which, by the way, did you ever like notice Like it was the same guy every time, just different name, flannel graph? Anyway, um, but I loved it. But I, I grew up learning about the stories about Noah and Abraham and David. And you think about David, that's one of my favorite stories, like David and Goliath, right? I mean, how much cooler of a story can you come up with than David and Goliath? I don't know if there's a better known story in the world from the Bible than David and Goliath. People who don't even believe in God reference the story of David and Goliath. How many times, sports fans, are you watching a game and they compare it to David and Goliath, right? And you know that announcer doesn't believe in Jesus because, you know, I mean, you just know who they are. And you're like, man, that didn't even make sense. Or some coach will get up there, and, and you kind of know his, his, his story. And you're like, I don't see any Jesus in him. And he'll talk about, well, we were kind of David, and they were kind of Goliath, and we took him out. Or he'll get up on his, you know, little pedestal and make the David and Goliath speech, right? Hit him high, hit him low, go, go, go. And, and no, but listen, David and Goliath, incredible story. Noah building the ark, incredible story. Somebody was sharing with me this morning how they just came back from is it Kentucky where they've built kind of this replica, is that where it's at, of the ark, and I hear it's really incredible, it's amazing, and you you, you read that story, you're like, wow, Noah did that, Um, you read stories about Abraham and his faith, there's this story about Abraham where God gave him a son finally after like 100 years, and then God, after he grows up, says, hey, I want you to take your son, I want you to sacrifice him, and Abraham takes him up, and he's ready to sacrifice him, and God says, nope, don't do it, and... And uh, Abraham showed all kinds of faith and believing God, and God spared his son, sent forth a rescue, just like he does for me, and just like he does for you. By the way, that little ram caught in the thicket, if you know anything about the story, uh, there's Jesus in the Old Testament for you. God always sends a rescuer. But then I grew up and I started reading about David. And you know what I found out? He gives some good examples. And I'm here to tell you, if you read the story of David, you're going to figure out, he gives some really, really bad examples as well. You read the story of Noah, man, great example, and you go, oh, wait a minute, here's the rest of the story. Don't do that. Here's the thing, David's not the hero of the Bible. Noah's not the hero of the story. Jesus is. And so what I know is David needed Jesus. (laughs) Noah needed Jesus. Abraham needed Jesus. Guess who else needs Jesus? This guy. This guy. Imperfect, impure. Blow it. Sometimes I have great moments. Sometimes I blow it just horribly. And yet Jesus steps in and does what? Saves the day. Rescues me. That's who he is. He's a rescuer. So sometimes we find examples to follow. Sometimes we find examples to avoid, but one thing you know for sure, if you're looking at Jesus, he is always an example to follow. Next one, commands to obey. Commands to obey. Well, this is the part I don't like because this is where God starts giving me rules and what I can do and what I can't do. And I really like making my own choices. I really like doing my own thing. Now, we don't say this out loud because we go to church, right? I mean, the people that say that out loud are people that don't show up on Sundays, right? But if we're honest, our lives reveal many times that we really don't want anything to do with the commands of God. Now, we might get riled up saying we want the Ten Commandments, you know, out there in front of the government building, and I'm all for that. But do we really want them in our hearts and do we really want them in our lives? And by the way, God doesn't stop at ten. But I think we'd do pretty good if we just kind of focused on the ten. You know what I'm saying? be a pretty good start. I think we'd be a lot better off as a, forget society, I think we'd be a lot better off in Christianity if we just say, okay, God said do this, we're going we're to we're do it. Listen, God is not trying to take from you fun and festivity and joy and freedom. In fact, he's doing just the opposite when he gives you his commands. He's trying to give you joy. He's trying to give you Freedom. He's like, man, if you do this, things will go well with you. It's just the way you need to function in life. Commands to obey. So if you're ever wondering, like, what should I do? Get in the Word of God, and God will make it clear. If somebody offends you, ever had anybody offend you? Anybody have anybody offend them this last week? Some of you slept all week, didn't get up. I'm raising my hand. I had people that offended me this this week. I did. Okay. The rest of you probably did too. You're just like, I don't raise my hand very much, right? What am I supposed to do when somebody offends me? Get mad? Give them a nice gesture? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't because you're a Christian. But would you go tell somebody else and gripe and complain to them? And yet Jesus gives us very explicit commands as to what we're supposed to do when someone offends us. What if we just started taking seriously the teachings of Jesus? We'd find ourselves being followers. We'd find ourselves applying. We'd find ourselves living. We'd find ourselves being in his plan. Last thing I will encourage you to look for are statements of significance. Statements of significance. In other words, when you're reading the scripture, uh, again, I'll say what I said last week. If, if you're kind of new to scripture, I'd encourage you to go uh, to a couple different places, you can start anywhere you want to, there's, there's no bad place to go, uh, but if you've never really read the scripture, I would encourage you to start in John chapter 1, that's the place I'd encourage you to start, John chapter 1, and read through the, the story, the gospel of John, another great place that I would encourage you to go is the book of Proverbs, um, there's 31 Proverbs, that's what happens to be 31 days in most months of the year, and so you can read one of those a day, great principles for life, but statements of significance, what do we mean mean by that? When you're reading, what jumps off at the page at you? What jumps off the page when you're reading John chapter 4, verse 12? What jumps off the page at you when you're in your daily Bible study? Here's what I have uh, come to understand and learn over time is that I can read the same passage of Scripture over and over again, and maybe last year, this is what jumped off the page at me, and this year, I'm reading that same passage of Scripture, and something else is jumping off the page at me today. You ever had that happen? I mean, like you look at John 3:16, you ever read that and memorized that and well, sure, but there's times you look at it and you're like, "You know what? I never even thought about that before, and I've memorized that and read that, and my goodness, that's what God's got something fresh for you all the time. You can read the same thing again, and God's still got something fresh for you because God's word is alive. Everybody say alive. It's alive. It's alive. Statements of significance. Some of the things I'll say about these statements of significance in the Word of God, not only are they alive, they never grow old or weary or outdated. I'm going to repeat that because that's like a really good amen spot right there. They never grow old, weary, or outdated. If you're like above 52 I say a loud amen on that one because this isn't about. Uh, the Word of God never grows old, weary, or outdated. Amen. Y'all believe that, don't you? Now, if you're young, you're a millennial. The Word of God never grows weary or outdated. Come on, millennials. It's true for me and it's true for you, it's true for my grandpa and it's going to be true for my grandkids. And all God's people said, this is really good preaching right now. (laughs) Because we're declaring the truth of the word of God. This isn't a firm Kyle moment. This is a firm truth moment. This is what we, we believe. This is what we buy into. This is what we say is our rule of faith and practice in our church, in our homes, in our lives. This right here. And if you're not in it, you can't live it and Jesus says come follow me and if you're my, truly my disciples you'll, you'll, you'll be faithful to my teachings a disciple is someone who's constantly getting into and obeying the teachings of Jesus speaking of things that don't get old I'm setting this one up on a tee for you all right this is this is this is the fastball for you this is as good as it gets church okay You see how I'm setting you up right there? I don't have to come back later and say, come on now, say amen to that one. I'm saying beforehand, you need to say amen to what I'm about to say. All right? Speaking of not growing old, not growing weary, not growing outdated, the glorious truth that Jesus lived perfectly, died for our sins on the cross, That doesn't get old. That, that doesn't get outdated. That does not get weary. That is what it is all about. His name is Jesus. Got one big next step I want you to consider. It's on the back side of your red communication card, and that is this. I want to encourage you to take this next step to get in and obey the teachings of. Of Jesus, To get in and obey the teachings of Jesus. Don't just read the Bible to put in your time. Get into the Word of God so you can obey the teachings of Jesus. Get in it. Immerse yourself in it. Apply it, study it, get just consumed with it. Have conversations about it. Let it start shaping your marriage. Let it start shaping your parenting. Let it start shaping your friendships and the way you go about interrelating with other people. Let it start shaping the way you come to church to worship and how you leave church worshiping. Let it shape the way that you make decisions. Let it transform your life. Jesus, the one who lived, the one who died, the one who rose again, said, Get into my teachings. See, the authority that carries, the resurrected Savior saying, Get into it. Absorb it. Obey it. It will transform your life. I just want to say this to make this really, really clear, really, really plain. Jesus is inviting you, Jesus is inviting me to together follow him. If you've never come to the place where you have understood that Jesus lived for you, died for you, rose again, and that you've placed your faith and your trust and your life in his hands, he's inviting you to follow him. He will change your life and he will continue to change your life. Those of us that have said, I believe in Jesus, understand with that call to believe, he is calling us to follow. May we, the living church of God, find ourselves following Jesus together. Let's pray.